Chapter 3 of The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House by Laura Lee Hope. The Shadow of Mystery. The girls never forgot that mad ride to Camp Liberty. Mile after mile sped by on wings, and it was not till they were on the outskirts of the town itself that the victim of the accident showed signs of returning consciousness. Then she sighed, moved her head a little restlessly on Betty's shoulder, and opened her eyes. Oh dear, she said, faintly but so abruptly, that Betty and Grace started. I knew I'd have to do it some day. When the girls came to know her better, they no longer wondered at her quaint and unexpected sayings. But at the moment this queer statement, coming as it did from one who they thought must be hovering at death's door, rather startled them. What? stammered Betty, bewildered, while the others stared with wide eyes. What did you say? I said, replied the surprising old woman, in a stronger voice, trying unsteadily to straighten herself in the seat, and raising trembling hands to her rather dilapidated old hat, that I was sure to come to it some day. There's a fate in such things. The girls looked at each other uncertainly, and into the minds of each flashed the startled suspicion that perhaps the old soul was mentally defective, or, maybe, the accident. The woman seemed to sense something of their bewilderment, and into her eyes, still bright in spite of her age and what she had just gone through, there came a twinkle. Yes, a real twinkle. No, I'm not crazy, she assured them, regaining her strength with amazing quickness. You see, it seemed kind of funny to me after all these years of swearing that I'd never ride in one of these gasoline cars to find myself in one after all, and at my time of life. The girls gasped with relief, but still had the strange feeling of one who has been speeding over the water with all sails set and suddenly finds herself in the midst of a dead calm. But, but, stammered Amy, voicing the general sentiment, we thought, were afraid, you were hurt badly. Guess maybe I'd thought so too, if I'd had the chance, responded the surprising old lady ruefully. Pretty well mussed up, I guess, and stunned. Shouldn't wonder if I found a heap of bruises around me somewhere, but no bones broke. You see, she added, as though imparting a great secret, the Sandersons' bones just never was made to break. Now there was our cousins, the Petersons. They was different. One o' that family wouldn't dare waggle his finger too hard, for fear would bust on him. You see, they was just naturally made that way. My son Willie... Here the brave voice lowered a trifle, and tears rose to the bright old eyes. He used to call them in fun, always joking. That boy was the Breakbone Petersons. But are you sure you aren't hurt? Betty insisted, still with that curious feeling of having the wind taken out of her sails. You see, she added hastily, as the twinkle returned to the old woman's eyes, we were going to take you to the hospital. But if you are really sure there are no bones broken, I think you would like the hostess house better. Hostess house, 
repeated the old woman, her eyes widening with interest. Yes, I've heard a lot about those places. That's where the sweethearts and mothers and wives of the soldier boys go, isn't it, to meet them? Yes, Betty responded eagerly. You see, that's what we are doing, helping to make them feel at home. That's why we want you to come with us now and stay there until you feel better. But I'm not a mother or a wife or a sweetheart of any of those boys, objected the little old woman, while the same cloud swept over her face, leaving it wrinkled and old. I, I might have been if, if Willie. But that doesn't make any difference, Grace assured her, speaking for the first time and laying a white, soft hand over the knotted, wrinkled one. We want you to stay with us and rest while we try to find the man that ran you down. Oh, him, cried the old woman scornfully, all the time patting Grace's hand with gentle fingers. There's no use wasting time looking for him. He'll make sure that he won't be seen round these parts again, not for some time anyway. But your dear sweet little ladies, she added, looking from Betty, whose arm still rested about her shoulders to Grace's hand in hers, and from them to the girls in front. You're awfully sweet little lady, she repeated, while the quick tears rose to her eyes. I don't see why you're being so kind to me. But we just love to do anything we can, broke in Betty quickly, for the outdoor girls never like to be thanked. And we'd like so much to have you see our hostess house. That is, if you'd care to, she added, suddenly remembering that the old woman might not be so helpless and alone as she had seemed, might have made some other plans. But the latter quickly reassured her. Oh, I would like to, more than anything else in the world, she replied eagerly, then realizing that her fever might astonish the girls, added with a little forced laugh. You see, it's a weakness of mine. Maybe it's because I'm getting old, but the soldier boys, I can't seem to see enough of them. I don't think it's got anything to do with getting old, Molly broke in irrepressibly, because I feel just that way about myself. The more I see, the more I want to see. The woman's eyes twinkled again. She was about to make some sort of comment, but at the moment Molly swung the car into the street leading to the hostess house, and the girls gave a little surprised exclamation at finding themselves so nearly there. A few minutes later, they were ushering their shabby little guest into the comfortable alcove, off the main reception room, and settling her solicitously in one of the cushion-filled window seats. It was astonishing to see how quickly their patient had recovered from the accident. She seemed a little weak and unsteady as they helped her from the car, but going up the steps to the hostess house, she resolutely refused all assistance and mounted the porch alone. "'Isn't she a darling?' Molly had whispered to Grace as they brought up the rear. "'Did you ever see anybody of her age so full of life and independence?' And it was the same sturdy independence and humor that endeared her to the girls in the days that followed and made them willing to do anything in their power to help her. There was some discussion at first as to where they could put their unexpected guest, for all the rooms were full and a couple of unused cots seemed to be all the extra accommodations they could find. I have it, cried Betty at last, with one of her inspirations. Grace and I will give up our room and bunk in with Amy and Molly. That's where the two extra cots will come in good. The idea was applauded enthusiastically, 
and it took only a short time of scurrying about to put it into action. But one thing we must remember, Betty cautioned the others, as they surveyed their work with satisfaction. We mustn't let our old lady guess a word of what we've been doing. Oh, no, we mustn't, agreed Amy in alarm. She'd be just as apt as anything to put on her hat and leave us without a word. You know, it's going to be rather close quarters, sighed Grace, as they turned to leave the room. We won't be able to move without falling over somebody's feet. You needn't look at mine, Molly retorted with spirit. Why is it that whenever you make a disparaging mark, you never fail to look at me? That's easy, Grace returned with a twinkle. All you have to do is look in your mirror. Oh dear, and I suggested it, mourned Betty, as they descended the stairs arm in arm. We'll have to give them the cots, Amy. It would be murderous to let those two sleep together. Ah, tis a deep dark plot, cried Molly, staggering dramatically and almost falling downstairs. I see it all. They get the bed while we, poor wretches that we are, toss our uneasy bones upon the cot. Amy screamed, and Grace covered her ears. Goodness, what do you think this is? A ghost's retreat? demanded the latter, while Betty chuckled joyfully. Toss our easy bones? Indeed. Does sound kind of grisly, doesn't it? Molly admitted. Just the same, I wager that's what Betty intended. Molly, you wrong me, cried Betty in dismay. I was simply trying to avoid a tragedy. But if you're going to toss bones, anyway, you might as well do it in comfort. So, oh, you goose, cried Molly affectionately. And in this manner, they entered the den where Mrs. Watson was entertaining or being entertained by the little old woman. The girls immediately took possession of the ladder and joyfully escorted her to the upper floor to look over her new quarters. My, isn't this fine, exclaimed the guest, her face lighting up happily. A beautiful big bed and three fine windows to see the soldier boys from. Are you sure, she added, glancing from one to the other of the four eager faces suspiciously, that I'm not putting you out? Because if I am, why, of course you're not, Betty fibbed stoutly, adding with a swift change of subject. But I'm sure now that you would like to rest. Look, she added, with quick solicitude, as she saw how white the little old lady had become. Your hands are trembling. No, 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 disclaimed the little old woman impatiently, as she gazed with set face out of the window that faced upon the parade. I'm a little cold. And that boy. She pointed with quivering finger at a sturdy khaki-clad figure swinging happily over the parade in the direction of the mess hall. He, he reminded me. Yes, they cried, crowding about her solicitously while Betty pushed a chair toward the window and gently forced her into it. He, he was just like. The slight form was shaking and the words forced themselves from between her chattering teeth, what my willy boy would have been now if he hadn't run away. My little son, my baby. End of chapter three.